Oh, I love I love that per time, huh? It's worth it right there, isn't it? That's where the power is. Oh, you're missing the light. Yeah, I'm in the. You should sit over there. With I'm in the swap. No, it's okay. I got my new glasses. Oh, oh new glasses. God. Yeah. <laughs> um. So maybe just I want to share a couple more thoughts from Ecclesiastes, chapter twelve, and um, I've been loving this theme on the shepherd's heart. And it's been something that we've been kind of re-preaching in different areas. And uh, tomorrow we'll be in Frederick uh, with their, there's a, a big concert going on. It just, everyone seems to have uh, done something in, uh, on the 23rd in the following week. And we're in Atlanta. We're in Atlanta doing the same thing, you know. So uh, I just love it. You know, why not just spend our time, be spent preaching, ministering, loving the person in front of us. And. And I was thinking that eternal words are amazing, aren't they? Like, when you speak God's words, they're eternal words. And even if someone rejects them, they still go in. They still go in. And they begin to um, process through the fabric of someone's heart. And they start to stir up questions and thoughts that they never knew they had. And it's amazing that it'll stir up questions that ultimately will have to be answered. So um, if you're knocking on doors or talking to somebody, it's amazing. Uh, your words, these eternal words are words that have power, they have life, and they will ultimately be speaking to the person long after you're not speaking to them anymore. You know, How many remember in pre-salvation where maybe you've had people say some words and all of a sudden it was like, you know, you remember them years later and you're like, I remember when that person said, Jesus loves you. And you thought that was weird. You know, I was like, why would someone tell me that? Or, or someone says you are forgiven or you can have eternal life. And, um, but Ecclesiastes 12, it kind of gives us a, just a beautiful verse that uh, I've been really thinking about for weeks now. And, and it, and I want to talk a little bit about how the shepherd talks to his sheep. And uh, it's very it's very interesting uh, reading about the shepherd and how sometimes there's these calls or these different noises or these different whistles uh, that actually the sheep know that this is the chief shepherd. This is their shepherd. And then they certainly know those that are not. But before I get there... Look at Ecclesiastes 12, 11, and, and this again is a verse that is so rich. It says, the words of the wise are like goads. And we were saying how these are like spurs that hit an animal and they guide them or drive them in a certain direction. And how words in our life are like that. The words of the wise, they direct us, they they encourage us, they they redirect us, right? They are, they are words that uh, we can hear years and years and years later, and it points us back to Christ. Uh, in the right sense, they can guide us. But I love this. They are nails fastened by the master of assemblies or ceremonies. Now, we said that, that these nails are well-driven nails that, that are, are given by the pastor teacher or, uh, as we look down here, it's from the one chief shepherd. And they're, sh and they're from a sure place. 
like it's one thing to hear something and believe it, right? And it's a whole other thing to believe it and act upon it, right? You know what I'm saying? Like so many people hear the word, they're they're they believe it, they're they're like very much like, yes, that's true. But if they're well-driven nails by the one shepherd, it means that the word is in you, moving you and I to, uh, to, to in our calling, right? Like I, I think about this area, I think about what God is going to do in the hearts of people that we come in contact with. Uh, the word is like well-driven nails, right? And when I think about the well, you know, the carpenters, well, they have a nail gun today, so this is a little. <laughs> but you, in the old days, they'd, they'd hit that nail hard many times to drive it deep so that those adjoining boards or whatever they were connecting would not come apart. And this is what the words of the shepherds do, the words of the shepherd. They go so deep in us that they connect us back to the shepherd. They connect us back to truth. They connect us back to objectivity, right? So, I mean, today our world is full of fear, isn't it? Do people that live in chronic fear, do they have well-driven nails in their life? Well, they may, but what kind of words are well-driven into them, right? They could have the well-driven nails of guilt or shame or something from our past that is not from the real shepherd, but in John chapter 10, we're going to read in a minute, they're from the hireling. They're from someone else that does not give his life for the sheep. And, and I think in our, in our nation, in our towns, in our cities, like I see this so often, like words are so important. And sometimes we can hold on to the wrong words. We can hold on to the wrong words. Like I remember my father when he was in, he was a, he was a, a preteen and his teacher told him this. He said, because he told me this, he says, his teacher told him, you will not amount to anything. Like a teacher told him that. Like those words to a young adult can be very impressionable and very powerful. Unfortunately, my dad turned those words around and said, I'm going to prove that teacher wrong. And he spent himself and, and, and excelled actually in his educational career. But how much of the devil's words can be well-driven, right? And they have a dramatic difference in our life. But I love this verse. It says, but the words of the shepherd, right? They're well-fastened nails. And they're given by the shepherd, Jesus Christ. Okay, if you want to look at John chapter 10. So how does the shepherd speak? Like, psychology says, for every one sentence that you say to yourself, there are multiple sentences that you say within yourself. I think it's like 10 to 27 or something like that. It's, it's like a very, it's like a, a triple. Every sentence you say out loud, there's like a conversation that is going on in your heart, right? They call it self-talk, right? And a lot of self-defeat or defeatisms happen because the words are not from the shepherd. So in contrast, let's look at John chapter 10. The shepherd's heart for you and I is that we would know his heart, right? We'd know his heart. 
So I remember a brother um, in our church in Baltimore, he said this to me, he says, you know, he goes, I love coming to this church. He says, because I feel better than I, when I first came, right? I feel better because some churches he's experienced that he's felt worse, right? And you kind of wonder, did he really hear a word from the shepherd? Did he really hear the word from the shepherd, right? Now, now granted, we know how a shepherd operates. He's there to guard. He's there to lead. He's there to care for. We've read that in Ezekiel 34. He leads them by still waters. He leads them by green pastures. He is uh, causing them to lie down. Like the work of the shepherd is so important because the sheep is prone to water, wander. You and I are prone to wander. And, uh, but how he, let's just read this, ver- let's read these couple verses together. Uh, who, who wants to read a couple verses here? Um, uh, 10 through, 1 through 17. Uh, can I give you a couple verses to read? Who, who wants to read the first five verses? I can read them, sure. All right. First five verses in John 10? Yep. Okay. Uh, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth in, not by the door unto the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he called his own sheep by name, and leads them out. Calleth his own sheep by name, sorry. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. So they know not the voice of strangers. Hmm. Okay. Uh, who wants to read 7 through 12? Who wants to read that? Read Daniel? <clears throat> then said Jesus again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Hmm. I am the good shepherd. Good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Mm-hmm. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scatter them. Mm-hmm. All right, 13 through 17. Who wants that? Okay. <clears throat> The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, 
them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. Good. So this is like, there's some rich, there's so much here that we could talk about. And it's really been on my mind. I haven't spoken about the shepherd so consecutively uh, in a long time. But it's just, when we know the shepherd's heart, when we know his heart, we recognize his voice. Like, it's like a father or mother with their child, or vice versa, their child. You can hear them over the, the whole chaos of all other kids, because you know the sound, and you know who your kid is, right? But, but let's break this down just for a minute. I, I just love how it starts, like Jesus walks through the door. He doesn't come in through a window, he doesn't try to sneak in, he doesn't try to... Uh, being a in a place of ambiguity, he walks through the front door, and the porter. It's almost like the Holy Spirit here is the picture is that the Holy Spirit will always bear witness to the truth, and so his words, his words that are spirit and they are they are life. This is how we know the shepherd's words. John six sixty three is that they are spiritual. They are from God and that they are powerful. They have authority from, from God because they came from God. So here's Jesus. Here's the shepherd. He walks in the front door. Okay. Now, if someone was trying to climb into your window or your back door, wouldn't you be a little suspicious? Like, who is this guy? Why, is, why, why aren't they coming to the front door? It's like there's some sort of like strangeness to it. And Jesus says, I'm going to come in the front door. You can trust me. I am open, I'm vulnerable, and I'm honest. And then notice this in verse 3. The sheep hear his voice, and he calleth them by their own name. And I love this. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, where God calls you by name. That's very personal. It's very powerful. I mean, today where everything's just a digit, right? You know, everything's just a digit. Everything is just a, a very, um, you know, very non, uh, there's no real non uh, or any personal con contact. Like in the hospital, we were visiting somebody and, and this person was saying that the nurse doesn't even talk to me. They walk in, look at the computer, walk over and grab my wrist and scan me, scan me, walk out. There's no conversation, right? What is that? Jesus has, he, he knows his sheep's name, they hear his voice, and he leadeth them out. All right? And then he goes on, he repeats it again. They follow him because they know his voice. So these eternal words are so, these are so powerful. The grace words, and I want to kind of quote some things I read about grace today, but think about the shepherd speaking to you in an attitude of grace, like grace words. What does what is, what is grace words do in our life? Well, they build us up, don't they? they well, let me ask you, what are, what are grace words? When you, Dan, when you hear grace words, how do you identify grace words? What are some characteristics of it? Or anyone, yeah. Do, 
No, what 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 is like a, what's like the DNA of grace? Like when you hear grace, you know, okay, that's definitely from God. What what are some things that kind of like? Well, it's loving, right? It's like loving. Okay. I mean, I I guess most of it is what they're saying, but it's also how you receive it. Like like I feel that this is unconditional love being poured onto me by okay. these words. Like it's like what not like just mood it puts me in, but like the connotation of it. Like how do I? Like, this is, like, I feel grace. Like, I feel it. Okay. I feel like this person loves me. Or if someone's saying this to me, they love me. Um, and they love me, and they see me through Christ. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Good. Anybody else? Like, you know what it's not. Okay. And condemnation. Okay. You know? Good. So, Jesus, you know, he always dealt with that. It was, nor do I condemn thee. I didn't come to condemn the world. You know, mm. where your accusers get him out. You know, it's like. <laughs> that's the devil, you know. It's like now I can talk to you. You know, okay. first thing is clear, clear out of all condemnation. You know, that was Paul's revelation. <laughs> no condemnation, therefore, therefore there is none. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the clear first thing I think. That's a big one, right? No condemnation. That's that's actually, that's actually a big one, right? Because we know how condemnation just destroys people. Daniel, yeah. Uh, I don't know where, if you raise your hand. Where it says um, that it's our words student. may give grace to the hearer. Okay. Yeah, right. um, that that's how you know. Okay. That, like he said, it's loving. But it, you know that like God is giving me something just for me. Like the pastor ah. said something today. Yeah. And he didn't know the that nails. I needed that. The nails, right? Right. Yeah. Like if you give me encouragement, but you didn't know. Yeah. Like a few minutes ago, when you said you'll never amount to anything, my dad told me that a lot. Mm, mm. You know, like even when I was seven years old, like oh my I gosh. wasn't even liable yet. Yeah, <laughs> but oh my but gosh. I heard it a lot, you know. Oh, and um, but you know, when I found this ministry, it all changed. Yeah, because I got grace. So, grace God. It's wow. so interesting. That, wow. Like when you think of the woman. At the well, right? Like Jesus, obviously, he knows. He knows every. I mean, he knows this woman. And he says, like, you know, you were with someone, and this person is not your husband. You had many husbands, but before all of that, he's sitting there and he has a drink with her, mm-hmm. and that's like another form of grace. Like, it's like incredible because it would be like the devil would put that to the forefront, right? Like that would be the main point yeah, yeah. of this conversation mm-hmm. yeah. was condemning you. Um, and like in those words out of context can sound very condemning right but like it's Jesus saying these words after he has spent time mm. and then you go those are words of grace this is not me saying you're scarlet like this is this is me saying that I love you you know this yeah. is me saying that it doesn't matter you know and he, I think he shows that by just spending time mm. and fellowshipping with her and I think that was kind of a great example excellent you know, one verse that I think of, John chapter 15, that really helps us also define, like, grace is always creating something in my life. That, that's a good indicator um, that grace is always creating hope, creating life, creating um, something I never had before, or identifying something that God has given us, right? Like those words, like Daniel, you said your father said that to you. 
those are that's such a destructive thing. I mean, we've all heard these words that were meant to take us out, but then the shepherd speaks, right? And the the still small voice of the shepherd, it rewrites it by the grace of God. It removes those echoes, that echoes of the lie, and then establishes the truth, right? Right. That's why receiving these eternal words are, are so, so valuable. It saves our life. Look at John 15.3. This is one of my favorite verses um, in a verse we know, right? It says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Like you are clean. Like grace is the great eraser, right? It cleans us. It purges us. Now, now think about the shepherd for a minute. Like he's spending hours and hours and hours in these remote places. And he's speaking to the sheep, right? Now, if he mistreats the sheep, or if he yells at the sheep, or if he curses at the sheep, right? How are the sheep going to respond, right? They're going to be agitated. They're going to be... It's just like a child. It's like whatever you give them, they will give back to you, good or bad. It'll, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, if you treat them incorrectly, they will certainly respond that way. But God is saying here, John 15, you are clean, clean. And how many people have we talked to where they feel dirty inside? Maybe something in their past or maybe something that uh, has kind of like, had them focus on on themselves outside of who Christ says that they are, and they feel dirty, right? And then Jesus speaks to you, right? He says, his Bible speaks to you, right? Like his Bible begins to talk. And all of a sudden, we have a talking God, right? And we, we hear a verse, and then all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's purging and, and penetrating. You know, we were saying in one of the classes, like, you can have a, a jar full of water, and you can have dirt in the base of the water. And if you put your dirty hand in there to remove that dirt, what's going to happen? It's going to contaminate the whole jar, right? So, so what do you do to get rid of that dirt in the bottom of your water? What do you do? Pour the water on your hand to wash the dirt off the surface. You could do that. <laughs> you could. Well, what do you do with the dirt in the water? What do you do? Just dump it all out. Yeah, Start over. You can. You can. Maybe it's settled to the bottom, but you can still take a sediment. <laughs> or what? You can strain it. Ha <laughs> ha! Yes, you can. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you guys are yeah, very yeah, resourceful. Yeah, really, <laughs> all right, you gotta <laughs> you crack the glass from the bottom. Oh, uh, thanks. Uh, all right. Okay, let me help you out here. <laughs> let me help you with my illustration. As a hiker, you go get your purifier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get it all out and then well, that's the filter part. Water. I don't know. Filter it. All right. You could do all those things. Wow, that's, that's like beyond me there. Or you can add... beyond my illustration. You can add the right water, right? You can add, you can keep adding the clean water, right? Wow. Okay. Keep adding the clean water. Keep adding. And what's going to happen? It's going to displace. displace the sediment, 
and pour it out and be replaced with the clean water. This is what eternal words do to us. This is what the shepherd constantly is speaking to us. He's pouring in us clean water. He's pouring in us uh, grace words. He's pouring in us uh, hope. All right, let's look on. Isn't that good? Breaking the glass and the water purifier. You guys are amazing. I love it. Throw the whole thing away. Throw it away and drain the water. <laughs> you know, some people, isn't it true? Like we're in a throwaway society. It's true. Like that yeah. person's beyond hope, right? That person just, we need just to leave them alone and forget them. What does God do? He says, nope, I'm going to keep pouring my water. I'm going to keep pouring my grace. I'm going to keep pouring my my love, my my okay. truth on them. That's a great illustration. Yeah. Without faith, it doesn't even make sense. It's like grace. That's like that. Grace. Yes. That's that quote, you know. Grace upon grace. How does it go? Faith makes faith. I've heard, I've saw a quote at my aunt's house. Like, it was there for my uncle's friend or what? I said, I think it was like a quote that goes with like a Luke verse. I'm not sure. And it's like faith doesn't make things easy. It makes things possible. I'm like, huh. And Beautiful. as you're saying this, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like, how do I get the dirty water out? You know, like, I don't know. We're like, oh, it's possible now. My faith, to re- like, to even receive those eternal words mm. makes the porn even possible to, to get get that away. Well, think about it. People say, you know, I can't fix myself. I'm broken beyond repair. And, uh, and God is saying, I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to heal you. Keep receiving my words. Keep receiving my grace. Keep receiving who I am. Um, one writer says it like this. Uh, uh, okay, the first and possibly the most fundamental characteristic of divine grace is that it presupposes sin and guilt. Okay, grace has meaning only when men are seen as fallen, unworthy of salvation, and liable to eternal wrath. Grace does not contemplate sinners merely as undeserving, but as ill-deserving. It's not simply that we do not deserve grace, it's that we deserve hell. So what is he saying here? He's saying that we come to a place where we know that without him we are lost, and that we have no hope. Uh, Let me read you another one. He, he, He goes on to say here, Uh, Oh, grace ceases to be grace if God is compelled to to bestow it in the presence of human merit. So what he's saying here is if God says, I have to give you grace to help you along, you do your part, I'll do my part, it ceases to be grace, right? Mm -hmm. Romans 11, 6. But grace ceases to be the grace of God is compelled to withdraw it in the presence of human demerit. So he's saying, if you're good or if you're bad, grace is still grace and doesn't help but does it all. So listen, grace is treating a person without the slightest reference to to deserving whatsoever, but solely according to the infinite goodness and sovereign purpose of God. So what is he saying here? He's saying our performance or lack of performance does not issue grace. Grace is according to who God is. His infinite goodness 
and sovereign purpose. Isn't that awesome? So, so it goes back to this point, like, when we hear words, we might say, we don't deserve. We don't deserve. Like, has someone ever said to you something edifying, and you're like, oh, only if they really knew who I was or what I did 10 minutes ago or what kind of person that I was, right? How many have done that, and it's kind of, we've deflected those eternal words. But instead we say, God, you know everything, and you still love me. God, you see everything, and you still, you still accept me. It's like this is what the shepherd is doing. The shepherd lays down his life and cares for the sheep. Okay, let me show you a couple others. Uh, he's the door of the sheep in verse 7, which means, again, our, our entry our only entry and exit is through him. And, and these, this is where grace really is understood. Grace is at the start of our life. It's at the middle of our life. And it's at the end of our life, right? And whatever transition that we're in, right? What is a door? You go from one place to another, right? And there's a transition, right? There's a threshold. Whatever change or whatever uh, uncertainty. God says, I'm the door, and I am the, the chief shepherd speaking and leading you through in my grace. And then look at, look at this. He, he says it again. I am the door in verse 9, right? And you will find good pasture. All right, and then look at verse 10. This is a verse we know. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, don't you think he'll do that with words? Don't you think he'll have some sort of like uh, lie that we we somehow say to ourselves, like like Norm said, condemnation, right? Condemnation, what a destructive word. Like you're not enough, you're not doing enough, and therefore what you're doing is not satisfactory enough. There's like this inside voice that's sabotaging us, and that is the thief. But what does the shepherd do? What's he doing? What's he doing in verse 10? I have come that they may have life. life. And not just life, not just bios life, not just the natural life, but that they would have my life and more abundantly. My life. Like how many people do you know that have a lot of things that are still miserable, right? Because they just have life, but they don't have his life. So just going back as I close, just going back to these eternal words, it's so important for us to speak to ourselves these eternal words. It's so important for us to agree with these eternal words. Like, Lord, I don't feel it. Lord, I don't understand it. But I believe it. Like Daniel prayed. Like, through worship, those are powerful words that he deserves our praise you know, someone asked me, how do I hear the voice of God? You know, and Psalm 29 is a good chapter to kind of look over and think about it. But we hear the shepherd's voice through the Bible, right? How many times have you read the, read the Bible and all of a sudden it's like you get, you get an answer to your question or you see something you never saw before? It's, uh, it's really amazing. Amen. Right? So how do you hear his voice? You are tuning in and reading his word and the spirit 
will speak through his word. All right. How you doing? You guys all right for a few more minutes? Yep. You all right for like five more minutes? Okay. All right. So I am the good shepherd. How many times does he say that? I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. He says, I've counted four times here in these verses. I give my life for the, for the sheep. So again, the shepherd's heart is without hesitation. It's without reserve. It's relentless. It is for us every time so that we might discover his life. But look at verse 12. The hireling will kill, rob, and destroy, right? Kills our capacity, robs from us time, right? And then it says here in verse 12, he scatters. He's constantly trying to divide. He's constantly trying to create chaos, Right? Verse 13, he careth not for the sheep. And I think nowadays we have to be so careful, like what words are we driving home? What words are we hanging our heart on? What words are we uh, really meditating on? Right? Are they from the shepherd? Do they, do they bring me to God? Or do they bring me uh, away from God? Do they bring me to the church? into the body of Christ, or they, they cause me to be cynical or skeptical or suspicious. It's, it's very interesting, right? The hireling will always be very cynical, right? Very suspicious. Like, like uh, I was um, edifying somebody one time, and they say, okay, what do you want from me? And I said, what are you talking about? Like, I just, I'm just telling you what Jesus is, wants you to do. He goes, no, you want something from me. Anybody that builds me up or, or anybody that fluffs me up, they said, wants something. I said, I don't want anything from you. I don't want nothing, right? And you can just tell that, um, you know, they, uh, they, that God wanted to minister to them. Uh, all right, last, last thoughts here. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of them. And I think tonight, like, we are here because we want to know God, right? Philippians 3.10, right? That I may know him. That's our greatest prayer. Not just information, not just knowledge, but there's like a communion. So recognize grace words. Recognize mercy words. Recognize love's words. Because they always point back to Christ, right? Always. They always are creating something in my life, right? They're always creating. They're always lifting up the work of Christ in my life, always, all right? I, I got an email uh, this week, and this person was like so upset that all we talk about is grace, you know? And I, I thought, I, I just prayed for this person because... They have no idea what grace is if they're upset about grace, right? Because grace is more than just a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's something that is pointing back to Christ. Always. It's not that we live the way we want in lasciviousness. No, it's the grace that teaches us to deny ungodliness, right? It points us back to Jesus every time. So, uh, last verse I want to give you. Uh, I want to make sure I quote it correctly. Uh, yeah, let's look at John 6 for a minute. 
So what verb? You know, sometimes people say the echo of their their conversation is an echo of their soul. Like nothing ever happens good in my life, or I'm never going to make it. I'm just going to be. This is always going to be who I am. It's never going to work out. You ever meet people like that? I think it's all of us at one point or another in our life. You're just in a bad week. I'm just like, I'm never going to get out of this. It's true. All right, don't say it. (laughs) So how do you get out of it? Let's say a brother. Like, I was in a very interesting situation. I was at a a gas station, and I was inside because the pump was broken. And this lady, it was really early in the morning, and I've said this before, this lady walks in saying, I hate people. I, I hate it. She was spewing. It was like the devil talking. And I was like, I just could I sat there. I was like, okay, I got to say something, Lord. And this person's like fuming. And I just said, you know what? God loves people. Jesus loves you. You know? And she just like freaked out and ran out of there. But, but <laughs> how, it's like grace words. They are so powerful, right? They're kingdom words. They're kingdom words. All right. Who wants to read John 6, 63 through 66? Uh, Christy, do you mind? So it's interesting, you read further down, and Jesus said, will you also leave? And then what does Peter say? Where will we go? Yeah. And what else does he say? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. Isn't that amazing? Amen. So, in, I mean, Christy brought the, the application home. We all have days where we're just... Words are coming out of us. Our words are in us that are just uh, like a typhoon, right? But then we know the word of the shepherd that brings us back home. You are loved. You are valued. You are significant. You have a purpose. My thoughts to you are thoughts of peace and not evil. I am with you. These promises, they hold us sure. They hold us sure. Because grace words are spirit and they are life. Life. If what you're thinking on doesn't bring you life, they're not grace words, right? Amen. If the things I'm meditating on are not something that are reviving me, mm. renewing me, yeah. causing me to think about Jesus, Amen. right? Then, then those words are not the words of the shepherd. Wow. And uh, just identify the wor- the the shepherd's voice Amen. and. Um, and then draw near, draw near to that shepherd. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, thank you tonight for these words. Thank you, God, that you speak peace to us in Isaiah 40, verse 1. You speak life to us in Ephesians 4, 29. Lord, you 
speak hope to us and you direct our hearts in the love of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us to discern uh, the true voice, the voice of truth, and, uh, and you care for your sheep. The devil doesn't care. My burdens don't care. The, the, the demons don't care, but you care for our soul. Thank you, Lord, today. And uh, help us to speak those words, Lord. They are such powerful words to those that are maybe in depression or anxiety or, or just in a place of, of cynicalism, cynicism, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for these eternal words. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So we can talk about that if you want. Just some words that, the words from the shepherd, right? Or anything you want to talk about? I think the greatest battle is, um, you know, you have your...